Now, all men are given to the power of exaggeration. There are those who use words like awesome, words like terrible, powerful, mighty. And yet, how do you know where those things begin and end? Paul the Apostle was not an exaggerator, but he had a difficulty on where to begin and end with this. And so he said, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. It's not often that Paul the Apostle is stuck for words. And so he chooses this one, unspeakable. He's not exaggerating because he never uses this word again in all of the New Testament. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. It is a pleasure to have you to join with us on this program. I trust the Lord will bless you as we come to this Christmas text. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. The birth of his Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, is the world's richest blessing ever, that God should give himself his own Son to be our Savior, we shall never fully fathom. And yet we rejoice in its truth and glory in the Incarnation. God became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, I trust the Lord will bless you and encourage your heart today as we uh, open the Scriptures. Firstly, we turn to this hymn, Sing Aloud in Jesus' Name. It's by an unknown author, and his only name, as we know, is the letter K, with the date 1787. He is the author of that well-known hymn, How Firm a Foundation. Ye saints of the Lord is led for your faith in his excellent word. What more can he say than to you he has said, you who unto Jesus for refuge have fled. In every condition, in sickness, in health, in poverty's veil, or abounding in wealth, at home or abroad, on the land or the sea, as thy days may demand, shall thy strength ever be. Fear not, I am with thee, O be not dismayed. I, I am thy God, and will still give thee aid. I'll strengthen thee, help thee, and cause thee to stand, upheld by my righteous, omnipotent hand. How many of God's people down the ages have been comforted, especially when in trouble, by the beautiful lines of how firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord. Yet no one has ever really been able to discover who wrote it. There have been many attempts and many guesses. John Rippon's selection of hymns gained amazing popularity and was the hymn book normally used for many years among the particular Baptists. When the hymn book first appeared in 1787, it included How Firm a Foundation, with the apt title Exceeding Great and Precious Promises. It merely bore the signature K. Later generations have made the K at least five different people. Kirkham, Keith, Kennedy, Kingsbury, and Keane. Later editions of Rippon's ascribed it to Kirkham, but no one knows why or who this Kirkham was. The famous hymnologist Daniel Sedgwick contended it was written by a man named Keith, but his only reason was that an old woman in an almshouse told him so. In former days there was a strong tradition that it had been composed by the later leader in Dr. Rippon's congregation in London, a man named Keane. 
Dr. Julian's standard work on hymnology comes to the same conclusion. Remarkably, in the old companion tune book to Dr. Rippon's hymn book, How Firm a Foundation, is set to a tune named Geared, written by R. Keane. Geared begins. Actually, there was another hymn in the same Rippon's hymn book signed K, also with the date 1787. In songs of sublime adoration and praise, ye pilgrims of Zion who press. This hymn contains the oft-quoted verse, which many of God's people have felt. What was there in you that could merit esteem, or give the Creator delight? T'was even so, Father, you ever must sing, because it seemed good in thy sight. John Kent loved this hymn so much he wondered if it would be sung in heaven. How firm a foundation is probably the only well-known hymn whose authorship is uncertain. We notice that recent hymn books just give K. No doubt that is according to the infinite wisdom of God, and no doubt K wished to remain unknown, that God may have all the glory. Perhaps no hymn contains more paraphrases of Scripture. Verse by verse, the precious promises are paraphrased. Isaiah 41.10, Isaiah 43.2, first part, 43.2, second part, Isaiah 46.4, and Hebrews 13.5, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Apparently, the last verse beautifully brings out the threefold negative of the original Greek. Did the author know Greek, or did he learn it from Dr. Dr. Rippon's comments? That soul, though all hell, should endeavor to shake, I'll never no, never, no, never forsake. Though passing years have caused the author's name to fade away, this beautiful hymn contains truths which will never fade away, but remain forever. In Cheering Words, 1891, pages 81-83, there is a most interesting article on this very name. He and Dr. Julian came to the same conclusion about the authorship. Interestingly, on entirely different grounds. There we end our little insight to the hymn, How Firm a Foundation. At the end of the program, you'll get the email, website, phone number. Do stay tuned with us. Now we're moving to our hymn, O Come, All Ye
You're listening to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Golliher, and our text today and from the pulpit of our church is 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. And of course, as we approach the Christmas season, we are praising our Heavenly Father for the gift of his only Son and our Savior. May you rejoice today in God's gift to you. Back in Second uh, Corinthians 9, I'm sure you have already spotted the text for this morning. Yes, it is that very last verse of the chapter, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. I thought this to be a very appropriate text, and perhaps there is that gift or a number of gifts that are filling your mind and perhaps thrilling you today, whatever those things may be. Now, all men are given to the power of exaggeration. There are those who use words like awesome, words like terrible, powerful, mighty. And yet, how do you know where those things begin and end? Paul the Apostle was not an exaggerator, but he had a difficulty on where to begin and end with this. And so he said, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. It's not often that Paul the Apostle is stuck for words. And so he chooses this one, unspeakable. He's not exaggerating because he never uses this word again in all of the New Testament. We do not find the apostle using this word, unspeakable. It would be easy for just to make that kind of a redundant word and just throwing it at the issue and letting people take whatever they mean out of it. Now, the lament of every gospel preacher is that the whole gospel is really unspeakable. How do we find words to express and communicate the glory of the gospel? the good news that the Lord Jesus saves. There's another time when the Apostle Paul was seemingly stuck for words, and he said, great is the mystery of godliness. But I think rather he was confessing that he didn't even pretend to grasp the mystery of the virgin birth. It's a miracle, and therefore it's beyond our puny minds. And so we can never preach about the Savior enough nor can we tell the story well enough. This text today, I want to take it as a theme of appreciating God's Son, the gift, the unspeakable gift. Here are words that lead us to appreciate the Lord. And I want to give you some pointers today to appreciate this wonderful gift, this unspeakable gift, unlimited. And how can we tell it? Well, let's look at a number of pointers. Well, everyone who discovered God's Son, God's gift, they could not be silent about it. Everyone to whom the Lord revealed this good news of the gift of His Son, they became thrilled to tell the news. I want to give you just a few examples. The first will be Mary in Luke chapter 146. 
This is known as the Magnificat. It is known as Mary's Song. And it's filled with theology. It tells us a little about Mary that she was not just a simple farm country girl. She knew words. She knew how to express the thrill of her heart as she thought on the news that this child would be born in her womb. Luke 1, 46, and Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord. And if I remember right, uh, Dr. McClelland gave you an illustration this year of what it means to magnify and how you take the magnifying glass and you use it to extol the Lord. And uh, again, if I remember right, he says the magnifying glass itself doesn't make anything bigger, but it makes it to appear bigger to our understanding. And Mary was saying, magnify the Lord with me. She was thrilled with this news. Then she said, my spirit hath rejoiced in God, my Savior. This was God's gift to her. She was not just a carrier of a child. She was given a personal Savior. And of course, that's what makes God's gift to us so wonderful. It's not just that God visited others or another people, another race or another generation, but God visited me and has given to me this gift. My name is upon this gift. And of course, that's what makes you a Christian when your personal name is upon the gift. Now, Mary went on. Her appreciation of the gift, what value was it? Well, verse 48, for he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. She was needy. She was of an Israelite. She was of the line of Judah, but needy. Now, when you receive an appropriate gift and you know that it will meet the need of your life, it's an unspeakable gift. It's a wonderful gift. Do you know your need of the Lord Jesus today? Sadly, in this world, so many, they know about the Lord, but they do not know their personal need of a Savior because they do not recognize their lost, low condition. The reality is that many people, if they died right now, they're not ready for heaven, not ready for glory. And that may be true of you if you're not a Christian today, if you're not saved. And so this is a, a gift that you must appreciate out of your own low, lost condition. And then you'll notice she goes on to say, For behold, from thenceforth all generations shall call me blessed. Now, Mary was not boasting, but she was pointing out that from here on she was going to be an honored woman. She was going to be elevated by the gift of God. Let me tell you, Christianity elevates people. It takes men and women out of the dunghill of this world, makes those who are on the broad road to destruction and their depravity to be kings and priests unto God. The gospel makes you rich. And of course, the Bible is filled with the riches of Christ that the Christian enjoys. 
This is an enriching gospel. And so this gospel is not to put you down or hold you down. It is not to keep you in a low position. It is to elevate you and bring you one day into the very presence of God. What a gift! That was Mary's testimony. And then the angels in chapter 2 of Luke's gospel, verse 8. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be unto all people. And, of course, this is the, the whole story. And what did these uh, shepherds do? Well, they spread abroad the saying. That was our sermon last Sunday, verse 17. These shepherds spread abroad the saying. They couldn't be silent. The thrill of their hearts oh, loosened their tongues, and they became preachers of the good news. They appreciated the gift. They knew the value. In verse 25, you will see Simeon. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem, his name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him, and was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord Christ. And in verse 28, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. The promise to him was he would not see death until he saw the Messiah, child, the Christ. And then Simeon was at peace. He could leave this world in peace. This is an unspeakable gift because Christ prepares us for death, prepares us for eternity. And to the troubled heart who fears death and trembles about eternity, and what it's all going to bring, what's beyond the grave, this gift brings peace. It brought peace to Simeon's heart. And you can have that peace today as well. You can have peace with God right now by accepting the gift and appreciating the difference that it is to die without Christ and to die with Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. One other person in this passage, and that is Anna, verse 36. And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and lived, had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about four score and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and speak of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Here is this Anna, an aged, godly woman, waiting for her Lord. And when she meets him, they're coming in with the babe in arms, she said, thanks likewise unto God. I wonder today, is there a spirit of thanks in your heart for God's Son? A, a real spirit of appreciation because to Anna, of course, it was redemption. 
This is the value. Our Lord would purchase what money or gold cannot buy. His own precious blood would redeem his people from their sins. You see, your money cannot buy your way to heaven. All the assets, all the things that you've striven for and, and labored for through life, whatever bank account, whatever assets you have accumulated, they'll never buy your way to heaven. But the blood of Jesus will. What he accomplished in life and death on the cross secures salvation. He has purchased your redemption. And therefore, it's an unspeakable gift. And everyone who discovered this Savior by faith, by conviction, they appreciated him. And I know there are many, many people here today, and you come to God's house out of thanksgiving for the wonderful Savior that we have. I have no doubt that for a moment, that in many, many hearts here today, you took the hymnal, you sing, you praise your Savior. And if there's someone here today we, and that's not doing that, we invite you to join in. This is God's unspeakable gift to us. Now, I want to move on to the individual Christian's personal appreciation of Christ. Now, it is a problem, of course, to give a gift that is not appreciated, a gift that the person really doesn't want. And sometimes children, they can be crafty enough uh, to, you know, what is good manners. Mommy always tells me to say thank you. And so when someone gives a gift, the child will say thank you, and then throw it in the corner and go play with something else. Well, that's not really appreciation. And of course, adults, they're a little more astute. Uh, when they receive a gift, they know to say all the right words and not allow someone to see them throwing it in the corner and go play with something else. They will be careful that they don't offend. But God sent his own son to be appreciated. And what a great judgment will come upon those who reject the Lord Jesus. Now, how can we ascertain if we have really, really, really appreciated the gift of God's Son? Let me give you three pointers. Number one, we appreciate the cost of the gift. You know what giving a, a gift card is like? I love you up to $50. Well, when you think of this gift of the Lord, it was a birth of humiliation, what it cost him to leave glory, come down into the cursed world. Heaven is a place of no curse. Earth is the place of a curse. Heaven is a place of no sorrow. Our Lord Jesus came into a world filled with sorrow, and he tasted of the cup of sorrows more deeply than any other human. Heaven is a place where there are no tears. Our Lord Jesus, he shed tears. Three times it's recorded, but as an infant, I'm sure he shed tears. He went through all the pains and the pangs of all children. He was born into the world through the pain of childbirth. You see, the supernatural conception of our Lord Jesus did not mean a supernatural delivery. Mary knew the pains of, of, of childbirth. 
And that infant that was born, like most babies, came into the world crying. A healthy baby soon cries. In heaven there is no night, but when our Lord came into the world it was night. It was darkness, symbolic of the spiritual darkness of this cursed world. It was a, a birth of untold humiliation. And then the, the life of our Lord, rejected of men. He came unto his own, but his own received him not. He was the unwanted Jesus Christ, the unwanted man. And many turned away from him. And there came a point where the Lord Jesus had to say, will ye also go away? He was the man of loneliness. And certainly when we come to the cross, his death was a death of untold humiliation. He became a curse for us who knew no curse. Hanged on a tree to any Jew, that is despicable, that is shameful, that's a scandal. And our Lord Jesus bore the humiliation. He was despised and rejected. On Christmas night, all Christians sing to hear the news the angels bring. On Christmas night, all Christians sing to hear the news the angels bring. News of great joy, news of great mirth, news of a merciful King's birth. And why should men on earth be so sad since our Redeemer made us glad? Then life and health come in its place When sin departs before His grace Then life and health come in its place Angels and men with joy may sing Hallelujah to our King All out of darkness we have light Which made the angels sing this night Glory to God and peace to men. 